0: Please do turn tonight to the book of Job again, but this time to Job chapter 19, and to a very famous verse in verse 25. I shall read it shortly. Our title tonight is Confidence in Christ, having a confident faith, not in yourself, but in Christ. You might find this an unusual title because Job is written, Some 2,000 years, we don't know precisely, but probably 2,000 years before Christ. That means 4,000 or more years before now. And yet, this is what Job says. It's an astonishing statement. Job 19 and verse 25. For I know, that my Redeemer liveth and that he shall stand at the latter day upon the earth he goes on to say in verse 26 though after my skin worms destroy the body yet in my flesh shall I see God this is remarkable here's Job we think He lived in the time of Abraham and Joseph and Jacob and Isaac. Sometime in that generation, we call it the patriarchs. How do we know that? Well, he doesn't mention the Ten Commandments anywhere. There's no mention of Moses. There's no mention of Israel. And yet he clearly knows that there is such a thing as sin. And God's laws and commandments, that's very clearly mentioned. He refers to the matters of creation. So it seems to us that it was before Moses, before Israel, but sometime after the patriarchs or around about that time. Let's presume it was 2000 BC, 4,000 years ago. 2,000 years before Christ would come from heaven as a little child. And yet he says, For I know that my Redeemer lives. I want to look very carefully at these verses. But first of all, the context. The book of Job, many of you will know this, but a reminder, and for those that don't know it, Job is about this man called Job, is not fictitious. We know he's a real man. He's referred to in Ezekiel. He's referred to in the New Testament. And he's a real person. There in chapter 1, we read that there is Job. And he was called a perfect man. That never means that he was sinless. It means he was blameless. In God's sight... His sin had been dealt with. He is now longer counted, no longer counted a sinner. He's considered to be righteous. He's been justified. His sin has been dealt with. He's counted perfect. And so he's called a man who is like no other in the East. Hast thou considered my servant? He knows God. He's in a relationship with the Lord God. He knows him personally. This isn't just head knowledge. He has a living relationship with the Lord God. He walks with him as Enoch did, as Abraham did. He speaks with him. Every day he's in communion with the Lord God. We know that because he says, yet in my flesh shall I see God. This is real. It's not made up. It's not a fantasy. This is reality. His Redeemer lives. He's going to see his God. Well, this is wonderful. Chapter 1 speaks about a real Satan, a devil, and a real Lord, a Redeemer. And in chapter 1, a conversation goes on between the real God and the real Satan. Let me explain what this is about. You see, Satan comes saying, there's no such thing as faith. Faith in a God you cannot see? Nonsense. Faith? I will prove that faith is not real. Faith doesn't exist. And I'll show you, because that man that you've said is perfect, blameless, in God's sight, well, I'll show you. Let me just pull away his sheep, his health, his wellness, his happiness, his children. Let me take everything away that he can see, and I will prove to you that his happiness is not because of faith. It's not because of God. No, it's because of what he can see. It's because of what he's got. And that's the source of his happiness, not faith. I will disprove God. I will destroy God. I will destroy the notion of faith. And I will bring down every religious idea that there is a way of dealing with sin, that there is such a thing as righteousness, and I'll prove it to you. Well, that's quite a statement, isn't it? He's trying to prove there isn't a real God, there isn't a real Satan. And there's something else that he's going to prove. He thinks that God is not in charge. Well, that's a mistake. Because even the temptations, the trials, the suffering, the pain that Job goes through, who is the one that permits this? Hast thou not considered My servant Job, you see, the Lord is giving an experiment. And this experiment will prove the opposite of what Satan believes. The first thing it will prove is that God is in charge. God is sovereign. God rules the world. He rules his church. He rules over your life, even though some of you don't want him to. And that one day, what has already happened when Christ died on the cross, defeating Satan, defeating sin, making sure that the world knew that he is God, one day, one day, he will come again. And the victory that he's already had will be even more evident in the lives of those that won't have him because they will see that every knee shall bow and every tongue confess that he is glory. Now, that's the first thing. The second is one of the myths. You still hear this today. If a person is suffering, see if you've heard this, it's because of their sin. I heard this once said to a pastor who's a good friend of mine. His wife died of cancer. She struggled for five years. And would you believe another pastor wrote him a letter in the months after and said to him, The reason your wife died is because of your sin. What an awful thing to say. And yet Job's comforters, they look at him, they weren't comforters. They weren't friends, they weren't counsellors. They're mockers, scoffers. And they say to him, Job, look back in your life and see that the cause was because of what you did. That's one of the myths that the Lord, through Job, will debunk. And the myth? that my sickness, my suffering, my pain is all my fault. Now, there is a carve-out. Sometimes we make foolish decisions. We might become addicted to something. We might omit to read God's Word. We might choose bad friends that lead us astray. We might make many wrong decisions, and we bring great pain and suffering upon ourselves. You see, not all pain and suffering is caused by us, but some of it can be. Some of it is caused by other people's sin, and some of it is caused by living in a world that's fallen, where there are no longer enough resources to go round because of the greed of others it gets stockpiled for some and there's a shortage for others and we have natural disasters and there's all sorts of reasons why we have pain and suffering some of it is my fault but some of it is not and it's quite wrong to say that the reason somebody died of cancer is because of their own sin if they were a smoker If they were warned, if they were helped, if they were cautioned but they carried on, maybe, not necessarily, they may have brought something of that upon themselves. Well, thirdly, one of the things that Job proves to us is that faith really is real. Just look at that statement that not once did Job curse God, his children did, but not Job. He cursed the day that he was born, his literal birthday, but never God. No faith held him. In the worst of worst trials, when everything was taken away, his family, His health, his happiness, his mental health, his vast, vast wealth. He didn't lose his faith. He refused to curse God. He refused to say this is God's fault. He refused to doubt that what God says is true. No, his faith held him. Never once did he curse God. You see, Job had come to realize that faith was real. How does faith become real? This is one of the things that the Word of God teaches. Faith is not something we work up. Faith is a gift. We'll come back to that shortly. But I want to turn to the verse before I get distracted. Verse 25. For I know, let's just pause there, Job's certainty. That's quite a statement, especially when you consider it comes from a man that had almost no certainty left. He couldn't rely any more on his health, his family, his friends, his wealth. He couldn't really rely upon anything that we might be tempted to rely upon, but he could rely upon his faith. Because his faith was not really his. It had been given to him. This is such an important point. And again, I want to make it so abundantly clear. If I haven't in the past, I will show you tonight. Faith is a gift. We just have to exercise it. And I'll show you the verse. For I know. You see, many people foolishly, they look within and they say, I don't know whether I have enough faith. I don't know whether I've really struggled enough to believe. I don't know whether I really trust You see, the problem is we think faith is down to us. It's worked up. It's worked out. But it's none such. Faith is a gift. And here's Job, the man who had every reason to doubt, every reason to look around him and say, I don't feel like I've got faith but he didn't trust his feelings. He says, I know, I know. For him it's certain. I know that my Redeemer lives. Perhaps you'd like to look at a verse to just prove that faith is a gift. Acts chapter 11 and verse 18. I could have turned to other verses But just to prove that Job's faith is not something that he worked out, worked up, worked out. No, indeed, his faith is a gift. Acts chapter 11 and verse 18. When they heard these things, they held their peace and glorified God, saying, Then hath God also... To the Gentiles, the non Jews, granted, given repentance unto life. Repentance and faith always go together. Repentance is a gift, faith is a gift. I haven't got time to show you but we can look at so many scriptures and see that faith, repentance, repentance, faith, they are given to us. All we need to do is exercise them. Just one more verse in Acts to show that repentance also is a command. A command. Acts chapter 17 and verse 30, this is the only other verse, We'll turn to tonight. This is what the writer of Acts, Dr. Luke, says. He says, Acts 17, verse 30, And the times of this ignorance, unbelief, God winked at. But now commandeth all men everywhere to repent. So repentance is a gift. Faith is a gift. And faith is a command and faith is a gift as well. Well, evidently, Job has exercised faith, not in himself. He says, I know. That's not arrogance. That's not some super spirituality of somebody that lifts themselves above others. This is a man. Who's been given faith and given repentance, and he's put his faith in one that he cannot see. So that's the first point tonight. Secondly, and this is a wonderful point, for I know that my, my, this is personal, not our, my, I don't know whether his children were believers. We read in chapter 1 that he prayed for them. He sacrificed for them. He prayed that they would be cleansed. He was a man of God. He was a spiritual man. He believed that there was an atonement to come. And he went and sacrificed by faith. But here he says, I know that my Redeemer. Elsewhere in Job, he believes in a judge. He believes in an advocate. He believes in a witness. Not his friends, but the true witness, which is Christ, who knows all about us. But here, very wonderfully, the word used in the Hebrew is the word goel. And I must explain this. If you've not heard anything tonight, wake up and listen to this one word. The word is kinsman redeemer, goel. We find it often in the Old Testament, particularly, and it's wonderfully described in the book of Ruth. A goel, a kinsman redeemer, needed three qualities it had to be a man. It had to be the nearest blood relative that was available. And that Redeemer had to be willing to take on the family responsibility that someone else could no longer take on. Responsibility for the loved one, the relative that was in danger, or difficulty, or distress, or even in debt. Four D's. Well, let me explain how Ruth beautifully illustrates. Some of you will know this. Ruth, named after a book of the Bible, or rather a book named after her, she was not a Jew. She was a Moabite from the land of Moab. But she had married a first husband who was a Jew. His name was Marlon. He had another brother called Chilion. His own mother was Naomi. And this dear lady, Naomi, was three times bereaved. Her own husband and her two sons were taken. The reason they had moved to Moab was because there was a a famine in the land of Judah. And so they went there to look for food, and while they were there, Her son, Marlon, married Ruth, a Moabite. And there's dear Ruth. Her husband has died. And then her mother's husband had died. And so they decide to go back to Judah. You'll see the significance in a minute. I have to give you this detail. And they go back to Judah. Judah the famous words, wherever you go, says Ruth to Naomi, I will go. And she goes back to Judah. And she's not a Jew. She's a foreigner. And there she has to scrape a living. She scrapes the scraps, the corns of grain at the edges of the field. And she's struggling. She's almost in debt, I'm sure. She's in danger. She's in difficulty. She's in distress. And who should come along but her Redeemer, her kinsman Redeemer, her Goel, the same word that Job uses here, but it's even more wonderful than that this man Boaz was a wealthy relative he was the nearest relative and he was willing to deal with her great problems and through Ruth would come David and through David would come Christ and in Boaz we find the kinsman redeemer the lord jesus christ and so when job go back to job 19:25 when he is saying i know for certain that my kinsman redeemer lives he believes in one who's taken his debts sin who's dealt with his difficulty, oh, difficulty, indescribable. The one who he can't see, the one who 2,000 years into the future will deal with his debt of sin. And when Job rather wonderfully says, I know that my personal, Kinsman, Redeemer, He lives. He lives. I can't see Him. But by faith that I've been given, I look to Him. He's alive already because Christ, Christ didn't become, Christ was begotten, Christ was born into human flesh. And it's as though Job can see into the future. And he believes in the Messiah. And he believes in one who would appear. The word there, for liveth, has got three meanings. It means he will appear. It means he will arise. And it means he will come forth. And that's what Christ did. He came forth into the world He was alive, he died for three days, he rose again and he lived. This is about Christ's birth, life, death and resurrection all in one. The kinsman, redeemer. But there's a further point and we close with this. And that. You see if that was where it ended that wouldn't be sufficient. And that my Redeemer, that I know, my kinsman Redeemer, he shall stand. It's no good if Christ is dead and he didn't come to life. Every other religion worships a dead God, an idol, a Buddha, a Mohammed. But we're the only ones that worship the risen Christ. I know that my kinsman Redeemer lives. He lives, he lives, who once was dead. He lives my everlasting head. Well, that's the hymn that we shall sing shortly. And he shall stand. When does he need to stand? When I come before him as my judge, he needs to stand then, and he will stand. And he will look at Job and say, I've dealt with his sin on Calvary. He hasn't yet died, but in Job's faith, he's born, he's been begotten, he's lived, he's died, he's risen again. Job believes by faith. My Redeemer lives. Let me close with this verse that we had last Sunday night in our hymn. Loved with everlasting love. Drawn by grace. That love to know. Spirit sent from Christ above. Thou dost witness. It is so. Oh this full and precious peace from his presence all divine in a love that cannot cease i am his and he is mine can you say that tonight do you have the faith given to you and the repentance from your sin both gifts given to job and four thousand years below in his mind's eye, in his heart. He'd been given faith, he'd exercised faith, and then the greatest of experiments known to humanity, everything taken away, and his faith held secure. It lasted through the greatest test And he can say, I know that my Redeemer lives. Do you know that? I believe there are those here tonight. I really do. And I believe God has given you faith unto life. Believe it. Trust in Christ. Turn from your sin. Believe that your Redeemer lives. And on that day, He shall stand for you and he will say, that man, that woman, I have died for their sin. They are redeemed. They are one of mine. Let's pray together. Gracious Heavenly Father, bring those who are dead unto life. Grant that new birth which comes only from above. We pray that there will be joy in heaven this night through sinners saved who are given a faith that is secure, that is reliable, that is trustworthable, that is capable of being tested to the extreme. We ask this now in Jesus' precious name. Amen.